Hi, my name is Alad Gross. Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online, uncensored town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. Every episode is a recording of our live show with special guests and questions asked by audience members like you. Today, I speak with Eric Fay, the Democratic Director for the St. Louis County Board of Elections. There's a lot of questions about voting this year, and Eric is here to answer all of them. Remember, go to votemissouri.org for an explanation on how to vote safely this year. Are you there? I'm here. We've got him. Oh, this is great. Okay, wonderful. Well, Eric, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, and thanks for taking the time to do this. I'm sure it's uh, it's it's uh, a busy time for you, too, uh, since, you know, a lot of folks are asking a whole lot of questions about the election. Uh, so how, how are you doing? Uh, making it. Making it. We're taking it a day at a time. Um, yeah. Just l- looking forward to November 4th, the day after the election. Um, but uh, it's it's been, uh, needless to say, it's been a trying year for election administrators. But um, it's really important to do stuff like this because Missouri law has changed around voting. And so there are a lot of questions we're getting every day in the office. Voters are confused. So like to do everything I can to answer questions and get the word out. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, well. I'm, I'm I'm very happy that we can help do that. Um, certainly, like I said, it's been probably the topic of the most questions that I've gotten so far. Um, and so I guess if you could, could you, uh, you know, I introduced your position and everything, but some folks might not be so familiar with what that is. Could you tell folks what you do, what your role is, and how they may or may not be interacting with you? Um, certainly with your staff they will be, but just how all of this works for St. Louis County and how it applies in Missouri as well. Sure. Well, I'll even go one bigger. I'll take it really from the 30,000-foot level to start off. In the United States, elections are really, really decentralized, and there is no like federal bureaucracy that runs elections. That all happens at the state level, <clears throat> and every state is different. Uh, there are 50 different election laws across the United States, and in Missouri, the chief election official is a secretary of state, uh, but that, in my opinion, is somewhat of a misnomer because the Secretary of State only has certain very specific delineated duties under the state constitution and state law. Mm-hmm. The responsibility for running the day-to-day stuff of elections, printing ballots, organizing the polling places, recruiting the poll workers, programming the voting machines, registering people to vote, doing voterless maintenance, all that stuff happens at the county level. And that's where I come in. We have 116 local election authorities in Missouri. Six counties have a board of elections, uh-huh. St. Louis County being one of them. It's, it's mostly the larger urban counties that have that. And we have a four-member board, two Republicans, two Democrats, appointed by the governor. That board hires two directors, a Democrat and Republican. And we run the, the, the office, the day-to-day operations. So that's the long and short of it. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. That's what we do. We we try to we try hard <laughs> to run yeah. elections in St. Louis County, and uh, it's it's a unique job and it brings something different every day. That's for sure. Yeah. How how long have you been doing it now? 
I've been in election administration in one capacity or another for um, almost 13 years. I've been the director of elections now uh, since January of 2015. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, and and we met. We, we were both on a board together around civic education for kids, um, and that's uh, you know, it's a, it's a really voting is very important for folks to learn from an early age about the importance of it, and you know, getting involved and seeing how the system works for them. Um, and I know that you're a very big proponent of that. So thank you for all of your service in that area too. Um, all right, we've got so we've got a lot of questions, uh, and I'm going to start with some that we've already gotten in. Uh, as more coming in already. Uh, but so one of the questions I have specific for uh, St. Louis County, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe during the primary election, uh, you had polling places that folks could go to even if it wasn't their normal polling place, like they were able to go to any of the other ones. Uh, is that something that will still be happening for the general election? Yes, it will. And uh, to be a little more specific, in St. Louis County, we're allowing voters, any St. Louis County voter, to go to any St. Louis County polling place on Election Day. Wow. Okay. And why, why did you all decide to do that? What, what kind of uh, uh, prompted that, that change? Uh, well, the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, essentially. And in, if you think all the way back, it seems like a lifetime ago, but in March, we had the presidential primary election. Mm-hmm. And uh, that happened, that occurred, that election occurred right about the time of the first confirmed COVID case in Missouri, which was in St. Louis County. And the night before the election, we had two polling places in retirement homes call us and say, you can't be a polling place tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can't have anybody come here tomorrow. And, um, you know, after I changed my pants, uh, we had to do a, a lot of fast um, uh, jiggering to, to make things work. Yeah. And so it, it made us think critically about what we could do. And we brought the proposal to our board that agreed um, to expand this to allow people to vote at any polling place. And that's really a function of the new voting technology that we purchased last year is what's really enabling us to do that. Okay. What, what, is, what is that? So uh, in St. Louis County last year, we, we bought new voting equipment, which is essentially a ballot-on-demand system. So uh, in, I think, every other Missouri county, they print up ballots and they deliver them to the polling places, and the ballots for those polling places are all that's there. Mm-hmm. In our case, we have ballot printers in every polling place, so when a voter comes after they sign in, we print a ballot specific to that voter's precinct just for that voter. And so that is what has enabled oh, us wow. to do this, and um, it it has worked out better than we could have hoped when we bought the equipment. That's for yeah. sure. Wow, that's, that's really cool. Um, I had no idea that was a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, wow, that's uh, so is so are any of the other counties in Missouri currently doing that or is St. Louis County the only one? Uh, we're the only county in the state that has that ballot or print on demand system. It, yeah. It's a relatively new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I know that in the city of Kansas City, uh, they are also allowing people to vote at any of their polling places. From what I understand, but only on one specific device. They have these ballot marking devices that are like a touchscreen voting machine that then prints out a ballot after you make your selections on the touchscreen. So that allows all the different ballots across Kansas City to be available in a polling place. But um, I think voters in that case are just limited to that one machine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, but you would recommend that other counties, if they can, explore using this. I mean, I guess it would be more... 
Um, well, I, I, I mean, I guess it could make sense for any of the places, um, but certainly for higher populated areas, it seems like it would be very, very helpful. Yeah, so far it, it has been helpful to us. I mean, the reason we purchased that equipment was that it was versatile and it was a lot cheaper than buying all of these touchscreen voting machines, again, like we had before, that had been the subject of a lot of um, controversy over you know, the, their hackability and so forth. Right. And so our board made the decision to just move away from those. These were significantly cheaper. Um, and uh, it, it gives us this flexibility to kind of let people vote anywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and staying on that topic, I think, with respect to security of the ballots, you know, some of the questions here, I'm trying to lump them a little bit together because I don't want to run out of time and try to address as many as we can. Uh, but I guess with respect to security, there's kind of a, a, an odd conversation because, you know, there's this national conversation about mail-in voting and other states that have had it, and it's different than what we have here in Missouri, and ours is, I mean, my view, it's a little bit confusing for a lot of folks. Um, but could you, I guess, could you describe for absentee voting, for mail-in voting, what is the security process behind that to make sure that the folks who are voting or saying that they're voting are the ones who are actually casting a vote. Sure, that's a that's a good question, and we get that a lot. <clears throat> um, so in Missouri, whether you're if you're voting through the mail, whether it's by absentee ballot through the mail or mail-in ballot through the mail, which is a whole <laughs> different conversation. Right. Um, uh, there are a number of protocols in place. So first of all, at least in Missouri, you have to apply for the ballot. <clears throat> so when a voter does that, we we check a number of things. Uh, you know, like they put their birth date and or the last four of their social on the application. We check that against a database to make sure it's the right person requesting the right ballot. <clears throat> and then when the ballot gets sent out, we have postal tracking through intelligent mail barcodes on all the outgoing ballots. So we know where they're going, when they're delivered to voters' households. And then when the ballot comes back, uh, we receive that that the ballot envelope not the ballot itself, but the envelope is barcoded with a tracking number. Mm-hmm. And so nobody can return more than one ballot. Um, if you, you know, once it's, once we, we, we receive a ballot from the voter, we can't receive any more. Uh, then a bipartisan team take that envelope. They check the signature on the back of the envelope against the signature that's on file in the voter database. And then another bipartisan team actually opens the ballot from the, you know, they take it out of the envelope and they verify that everything is kosher within mm-hmm. the envelope. So, there are a lot of protocols built into place, and uh, I think not only in Missouri, but in the the other states that have been doing a lot more mail-in voting, the proof is in the pudding that they have had very well administered elections, and they're they're safe and secure. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, well, I guess with the with the tracking system that you all have, can voters also track their ballot and see where it is in the process? Yes, in St. Louis County. Uh, yes, the. Uh, there is a detachable stub on each absentee or mail ballot, mm-hmm. and it has a track, a unique tracking number for that voter. They can log into a website and see when we receive their ballot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, and this is a big question too, uh, uh, are you anticipating or have you seen, I guess even in the primary, did you see any delays with using the mail and folks that maybe their vote came in too late? Because in our state, it's got to be in on election day. Um, it's not a postmark on that day. Um, so did, have, did you see any, any problems with 
delivery and delivery times at all? Uh, a little bit. And I will say this, I'll just back up a little bit to talk about the post office writ large. Um, you know, there's a lot of worry about processing machines being taken out and, and drop boxes being eliminated and uh, this and that. Uh, we have fostered a pretty close relationship with our local postal officials. And I can assure voters that uh, the, the post office's ability to process the mail is, is going to be there. I mean, even if every American received a mail ballot prior to the election, um, it would be just a blip on the radar screen of the Postal Service in the amount of postage or mail that they process in a day. Now, uh, the mail volume has gone way down since the beginning of this pandemic. So most of the processing machines that were taken out of plants now in St. Louis, none have been taken out. I've confirmed that. But um, there are processing processing machines downtown at the plant that haven't been used in months. Mm -hmm. And um, and frankly, they don't have the staff to staff them right now, from what I understand. So that's so getting back to your question, mm. we we saw in June, if you remember, the municipal election was postponed from April to June. Right. And in June, we we received over twelve hundred ballots after Election Day that were postmarked before Election Day. Mm. And so that got us thinking and it, it these were these were voters that, by and large, had kind of procrastinated and, and had mailed it in just a couple days before the election. And the post office delivery standard is really seven days uh, for mail, so or five days for first class mail, which the return ballots are. Mm -hmm. So that that kind of lit a fire under us, and so we have an agreement with the processing plant downtown, and we send an employee down to the processing processing plant at 6 p.m. on election night. And in mm. August, we collected over 2,000 ballots from the processing plant on election night that would have been late um, otherwise. So we only had 555 ballots that were received after Election Day, and a lot of those were postmarked on Election Day. So wow. there was no way those were going to make it anyway. Um, so if the moral of the story is if people don't procrastinate, they're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. If they request the ballot now— and if they send it back more than seven days prior to the election, the ballot's going to be fine. It's going right. to make it. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, I think the date that I've been seeing for when it's, you know, if you still have it, then, you know, maybe consider a different way of, uh, of bringing it in than using the mail. The date that I've been seeing is October 27th. Um, I think that fits within the same, like, seven, five-day timeline that you were talking about, too. So, um, do you, so. Right now, and this is good because I think a lot of folks don't know this, but uh, you can request your ballot right now. It won't be processed until September 22nd is the correct date for that, right? That's right. Right. So the request can be made right now, uh, and there's a whole bunch of now there's you know new systems. I've even got one that's up uh, to help folks make that request more easily. Um, but you can, I mean, you can still make that request uh, even in person at uh, uh, your local election authority, too. Um, and so doing that sooner uh, means that you will then get it sooner. I think the timeline, what, what is the timeline for you all? So once September 22nd hits and now it's time to start processing all of those requests, how long does it take for somebody to get a ballot at that point? Well, for all the applications that we have into this point, and in St. Louis County, we're probably right around the 90,000 mark in terms of applications we have in-house. We are attempting to pre-process those. 
uh, get them into a state where they can be ready to be mailed on September 22nd. So it is really our goal to have the ballots that uh, are the ballots that people have requested to that point ready to go on September 22nd or 23rd. And we're seeing on the on the outgoing side um, because uh, there are a few local election authorities in the St. Louis area that use one vendor uh, downtown and they and they pre-sort the mail down to carrier route. So that helps the mail get there a little bit quicker. So we're seeing really three to five day delivery on most local ballots. Now, when people request them to go out of town, if you're away at college mm. on some other state or some other city, uh, it's going to be longer. It's probably going to be closer to 10 days for those ballots. But um, that's that's what we've been seeing. And that that's our goal. Um, you know, something could pop up, you know, a court could change a ballot, uh, could change, you know, amendment three at the last minute, we got to reprint the ballots and that sets us back. So we'll just, we'll just see what happens, but that's our goal at this point. Man, you got, you got a lot of stuff you got to deal with. <laughs> stuff. That's a good word for it. That's a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's uh we try to do a PG show out here, you know, there you go. Some parental guidance, just a little bit. Uh, so yeah. you got 90,000 requests about That's the estimate right now already. That's correct. Wow. How many, do, you, do you have any idea of how many you're expecting? Well, um, I would say without any intervention from our office, I think it's very safe to say we probably get around 150,000. Mm-hmm. What, what uh, myself and my counterpart have proposed or our board, our board is meeting next Tuesday, mm-hmm. we've proposed to send an application to every voter who hasn't requested a ballot in St. Louis County. And if we do that, I, I think we'll go above 200,000, mm-hmm. which which would be great because the, the whole goal there is to um, prevent overcrowding in polling places and prevent long lines on Election Day, which are not a good thing anyway, but really not a good thing in, in the middle of a pandemic. Right, right, right. Um, and so I know I know I guess earlier uh, you all sent a like they were different colored because a lot of people were posting that they had them but you all sent request forms uh, i think w- was it to folks who were 65 and older or was it a different age group uh, we sent them to folks who were 60 and older 60 and older okay yeah uh and so th- those already went out to the county and i guess you got a lot of response from that that's what allowed this ninety thousand is already that's correct yeah okay um one of the questions and it did come through here just a little bit ago so i'm gonna i'm gonna go for it uh, what do you feel? So in some states, uh, they are mailing out ballots to registered voters without having that request form, right? I mean, in Missouri, we do have a required request form. Um, and, you know, there's been, I guess some, some folks are talking about, oh, well, just sending out those ballots to everybody without knowing where they are, or maybe you haven't verified it. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts about having that request requirement in Missouri? At this point, I I think it's probably a good thing in Missouri's case. And in the case of states that have not done significant amounts of mail balloting before. But in the states that have a track record of mail balloting, uh, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Utah, um, being being the main ones that have been doing it the longest. uh, And then there are some states like Arizona and Florida that have permanent mail list where anybody can sign up to be on a list and automatically receive a ballot every election, where in those states you've got, you know, over half of the voters on that permanent automatic mail list. 
they they have processes in place that um, are time tested now. And the key to being able to mail everybody a ballot without the request form is you need very stringent voterless maintenance. Mm -hmm. You need very good um, uh, state law or procedures in place that dictate how the ballots are received, when ballots can uh, be opened, if there are deficiencies on ballots or ballot envelopes, how they would be cured, if there are deficiencies on the actual ballots, how the ballots are adjudicated. Those are all things those other states have that Missouri really does not. Mm -hmm. We do not have the legal infrastructure, I would say, to handle a lot of that. So in our case, um, although it is it is really a bear administratively to, to wade through all the applications, um, it, it, history dictates that's that's where you have to start on that path to, to all mail balloting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what I guess what happens now, because uh, I've had a few questions about this too, but what happens now if somebody fills out their uh, ballot request form incorrectly or fills out the envelope incorrectly? What, what happens at that point? So in each case, if you uh, fill out the request incorrectly or, or the ballot envelope incorrectly, we will contact you in some way, either through mail or by phone. And uh, usually on the request side, we send you a letter and we say, hey, you forgot to, it, usually it's if you forgot to sign it or you didn't check a reason why you, why you wanted a ballot. Mm -hmm. Because in Missouri, unfortunately, you have to check a reason. Um, uh, so we send you a letter, say, hey, fix this. And then when we get the ballots back, if you forgot to sign it or if you needed to have it notarized and you didn't do that, um, if it's in early enough, we will send you a letter. But it, as it gets closer to the election, like within a week of the election, uh, we uh, in August, we started calling people saying, hey, you forgot this. If you want to fix it, you can come to our office or you can go to a, still a polling place on Election Day and fill out an affidavit and vote a new ballot. And that's one point I want to make to everybody who's watching is that when you request an absentee or mail ballot, you you pretty much, I like to say, you give yourself two bites at the voting apple. If anything happens, you, you do something wrong with the mail ballot and uh, you don't get the request in on time or you forget to sign it or whatever, you can still always go to the polling place on election day and try again. And that's what I like to emphasize to people. Like, in my opinion, it doesn't hurt to try. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, if the post, if something crazy happens with the post office or whatever, you can still always go to a polling place on election day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what, and that's, this is great. Cause this is another question that we got to this. You're just, you're just jumping. This is great. I mean, you're just flowing right through it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's so exciting when that happens, but I guess I have so many to choose from here. It's a little bit easier for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so many. Uh, so for for uh, somebody who's going to the polling place and something did, you know, maybe they waited too long, something happened, uh, and and now they they um, they're worried or they didn't even cast they didn't even cast their their absentee or mail in vote. Uh, what? What do they do on election day? What what is the? I, I know you mentioned affidavit, but what's the process? I think it's called surrendering a ballot. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And if you still have the ballot, um, then the process at the polling place is relatively painless. Uh, so there there's a separate table uh, where the supervisory election judges sit, and the voter will be directed there. They'll surrender their ballot. They'll sign on the electronic poll book. 
um, to that fact, uh, attest to that fact, and then they'll be printed a new ballot to vote. Um, now, if you never got your ballot or if we called you and said you didn't sign your, your envelope and it's not going to count unless you go to the polling place. So if you show up like that, then the election judges will call the election board. We will ve uh, verify that the voter has not, in fact, already sent their absentee ballot, or we haven't received their absentee ballot, I should put it that way. Mm -hmm. And then they'll fill out an affidavit on the electronic poll book and vote a new ballot. So it it is a little bit of a headache for the voter, I would say. But um, we had, I think, in August, we had over 4,000 people either surrender absentee ballots or fill out what's called a lost ballot affidavit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so you go, I mean, you're at the polling place and this is actually a question that I've had a few of these, but, um, let's say, so now we're at the polling place. Uh, somebody who, who doesn't like the president very much has just commented too about this. Uh, but, uh, talking about folks who are, uh, there, they feel like there's, there's some kind of intimidation or something else. And some folks are talking about, I don't know, it's like law enforcement or certain groups that are showing up and organizations that are at the polling place, uh, and folks are feeling intimidated by that presence. Uh, is there anything that you all are involved in in those kinds of situations? Yes. Uh, and we have issues crop up at polling places every election. Um, intimidation is, is, is not a common one, but it's mm -hmm. usually issues with people electioneering and things like that. And uh, we um, I know like the St. Louis City Election Board and the county were the same. We have roving deputies on election day. And so if there's an issue that crops up, we'll dispatch our one of our roving teams over there to, to try to address it. And if it's if it's a um, you know an issue with with violence or intimidation or something like that, we would we would uh, contact law enforcement who is kind of, for lack of a better term, on standby for us on election day. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a good point. You brought up intimidation. If it's on the part of law enforcement, people should know that police officers under Missouri state law are not allowed inside of a polling place unless they're unless they're pursuing somebody who is committing a crime, essentially, or unless they're there to vote themselves. They uh, police officers can only enter the polling place at the request of the election authority. So um, we do very occasionally have calls from people who, you know, there's a police car outside or something like that, and, you know, they don't, they don't like that. But people have to remember, um, because this is not really brought up much, but under the Missouri uh, Constitution, voters are privileged from arrest if they're going to <laughs> and, and while they're in the act of voting. Uh -huh. So, I'm, I mean, it doesn't mean you can shoot somebody <laughs> if you're going to vote. But don't um, do that. <laughs> yeah. It, but this is a real concern mm -hmm. um, for people. I mean, some polling places are in city halls where, you know, in some small municipalities, the right. police department might be co-located with the city hall. And they're worried that, you know, they've got an outstanding warrant and, um, you know, the police might hook them up there at the polling place. They're not allowed to do that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, is so you, you mentioned the roving teams that you all have. Is there. Is that, should they be contacting uh, the Board of Elections? Is that the right contact for these kinds of issues? Yes. Yeah. Call our office and we have a, um, a, a process on Election Day, a, a phone tree, for lack of a better term, and, yeah. and we, we get the people to where they need to go. That's great. How many people do you have working over there? 
So the county board of elections, we have right now about 60 full-time employees. We have another uh, 40 to 50 full-time temporary employees around election time, so right now. Mm -hmm. And then on election day, we have another 3,000 people working for us. So yeah. we become, on election day, one of the largest employers in St. Louis County for yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, and this was a question I had, and it just came in through Twitter, too, and I should be able to put this up on the page. Yeah. From Glick, do you have enough poll workers or do you need more people to sign up? We're, I mean, every election authority in the country is always looking for poll workers. Um, we, we have been receiving a pretty good response. We're trying, we're, we're having a few more polling places than we did in the August election. We're trying to get, um, more poll workers obviously than we had in the August election. Although it's important to note, we, we won't have as many polling places as we did in the last presidential election, just because we can't get that many buildings and that many election judges. But the the issue for us, and it's the same in St. Louis County, I'm sorry, in St. Louis City, and it's the reverse over in St. Charles County and Jefferson County, places like that, mm-hmm. where we have probably more than enough Democratic election judges. We never have enough Republican election judges. And uh, people might think that's a little strange, but Missouri law requires the polling place to be staffed by equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. And so um, if if you if anybody watching has uh, is a Republican or has Republican friends, please encourage them to sign up to work the polls. Yeah, uh, we will definitely use them, and uh, we'll use most of the Democrats that sign up. But I can't guarantee that all the Democrats that sign up will be able to use. Right. Um, I know you were being kind to me and being non-assuming, but I think I've outed myself already as <laughs> the party. So. Well, well, your viewers. I, I know you. You know. Yeah. You cross over. So I do. Yeah, that's true. I do. I try to work, you know, with everybody around. So I think uh, when we were texting swing voters, I was one of those people on that list. So that was pretty fun. Uh, <laughs> and no, I mean, this is a real issue. Like, you know, in a lot of rural counties um, that I was traveling to, uh, you know, at the Democratic club meetings where there's not as many Democrats, there's a ton of Republicans. Uh, they're literally begging people to do this work um, because it's so important. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's that's probably a limitation on, on how is that is that true? Like if you don't have enough people, does that mean you have less polling places as a result? It it could. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we try very hard to not have that problem, but um, there there's a minimum number in state law. And so if you don't have that minimum number, we can't have a polling place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, somebody uh, uh, mentioned. Oh, Tamara, hi. Uh, she says, I've been a poll worker. It's a very long day. Why can't we have the day split between a morning and an afternoon shift? Um, I guess you're, you're there. You're there for the whole day. Like that is that is your time that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, of yeah. course, the folks at the election board are there for more than the whole yeah. day. But um, the, <laughs> sure. yeah. for the for the for the poll workers, it is a very long day. They, they get there at five in the morning and they work till the job is done. Um, and we do get that question a lot about split shifts and we have really thought long and hard about that. We've looked closely at it. We have contacted election offices across the country that have tried it. Most that try it, abandon it after some period of time because of the administrative, uh, hurdles that are in place or the administrative headaches, maybe I should say that 
So right now we need like 3,000 people. If we split shifts, we could need maybe 6,000. And then so somebody comes for the morning. The biggest problem other places would have, somebody comes for the morning shift and then they leave at noon or whatever. And the person for the afternoon shift doesn't show up Mm -hmm. and they're short. And so then you're either begging that person to stay or you're trying to get a replacement out there. And um, that's what a lot of places have run into. So, uh, so far over the decades, we've been able to find enough people willing to work that very long day. I know probably more people would be willing to work a half day, but it would just be very difficult for us to carry off um, Mm -hmm. in that in that case. Right, right. Having managed a lot of volunteers for kids too, I can tell you that's definitely... (laughs) Definitely yeah. don't you. So uh, once you're in, hey, look, you know, the next day, take a nap, take a very long nap, you know, get some ice cream. Yep. I'll bring I'll yep. bring you some. If, if you volunteer as a result of watching the show, let me know and we'll hang out that next day. Socially distanced. Speaking of which, uh, for those who didn't vote during the primary, uh, one, you should have. Uh, but that's okay. You can make up for it in the general, kind of. Uh, so if you're voting <laughs> in the general now... And maybe you haven't experienced what the polling place looks like. Um, you know, it's a little bit different now in terms of all the social distancing that's going on. What what can somebody expect uh, seeing this kind of process now in the era of social distancing than they saw before? Well, one thing I know a number of election authorities did in August, and we're going to try to do it in November. We're trying to procure enough of these. Um, when the voter enters at the door, First of all, um, in St. Louis County, we're going to ensure that they're wearing a mask. Our board has mandated that all voters entering wear a mask. And then we're going to hand them a a stylus pen that is going to be there through the whole process. They're going to go in. They're going to be hopefully markers on the floor to kind of enforce social distancing. The poll workers will have PPE on. And then they'll, uh, they'll sign the electronic poll book with their stylus. They'll receive their ballot, fill it out with the pen we gave them, and they walk away with the pen. So they don't have to really touch anything that anybody else has touched. Um, there's hand sanitizer available for all the voters and the poll workers for that matter. And then the poll workers have uh, disinfecting spray that they use to spray and wipe down all the hard surfaces throughout the day on election day. Um, and there are different variations of what I just described in pretty much every county across the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you all, I mean, there's, there's like a, uh, there's an organization of all of the, the election officials in the state. Um, and I mean, I, I, has there, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably been a lot of conversation there. Have you seen some practices that have started to translate? Like, have you taken any from other counties that you've seen? Have you seen some, maybe some basic stuff that folks have agreed, oh, we all should be doing this at this point? Or is it, is it super different to because we got a lot of folks who are listening from all different counties in Missouri at this point. Um, is it just super different depending on which county you are in right now? Yeah, you're right. There is, there is a organization. It's called the Missouri Association of County Clerks and Election Authorities. It's, oh, man. Yep. it's, uh, yeah, it, it's an exclusive club. It's very exciting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it, um, one thing that is somewhat unique to Missouri, there are different models of election administration across the country. And some states have very centralized structures. I think of like a Louisiana, a Georgia, South Carolina, where the state mandates everything. Other states, the state you know, puts edicts down and everybody does something the same way. Missouri, in typical Missouri fashion, is very decentralized. And mm-hmm. each county has pretty wide autonomy to do things as they please. So 
Um, and which in one respect is a good thing in my opinion, because what works in St. Louis County doesn't work as well in Putnam County and vice versa. So sure. what I described, I think is, is about PPE and, and polling place practices is pretty common across the state, but you will see different variations on it. But mm. like, for instance, that, that, uh, idea about the stylus pen that I just brought up, um, St. Louis city did that, um, uh, I think it was St. Louis City. Somebody did it in mm-hmm. in the in the August primary election, and uh, we were talking to them, and we said, "Wow, that's a great idea." We didn't think about it, and so we were trying to adopt it ourselves. So, all the time we talk with other election authorities to try to, um, well, I call it the case method. Case method, copy and steal everything. Yeah. We try to, um, you know, work work with each other. I guess I should say. Yeah, that's pretty good. No, it was. I mean, at least in my polling place in the city, they had the styluses there. Um, yeah. yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. Um, I mean, there was just folks were really friendly, and there was a lot of distancing. Folks were doing that. I know we did have a comment uh, from Dina, who's in southwest Missouri, who said in August um, in her county, none of the poll workers were wearing masks, which is uh, a worry for for her. Um, so kind of going to the absentee, I know we've got these two different forms now, right? We've got the absentee uh, ballot. You've got the mail-in ballot, uh, both can go through the mail. In fact, the mail-in can only go through the mail. The absentee ballot, you can also return in person. So that's the benefit of that. The drawback to the absentee, like you said, is that you need to have one of these seven pre-approved excuses that you're able to select. Um, I know the operating language there for the absentee excuses is what do you expect to be true on election day at the time that you are applying? Uh, Because I know a lot of folks are like, well, what what happens if now all of a sudden I am in town on election day? I wasn't expecting that to happen. My trip got canceled, maybe because of the virus. Um, is that is that an accurate statement of what your understanding of, of how the absentee excuses work as well? That if if something does come up and it changes since you've applied, that's still okay. It's still a legitimate vote. That's exactly right, and that's a good point. Uh, that the the law states very clearly that you're voting absentee because you expect to be prevented from going to polling place because of one of these reasons. So your example was was spot on. If you expect to to go to Florida on vacation and then the airline cancels the flight, you expect it to be gone and and you're you're fine. You're still allowed to vote by absentee ballot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know the mail-in ballot, this was an interesting, I had no idea what to answer with this one. Uh, the mail-in, so I, I'm not, not trying to stump you or anything, it was just a really, an interesting question, but the mail-in ballot, it said it has to go through uh, USPS, United States Postal Service. Uh, the absentee, uh, it's not, at least from what I could see, it doesn't seem like it's as clear. It says something about a registered carrier or, or something like that. Uh, so one yep. of the questions I got was, can you have it overnighted by UPS or FedEx or DHL or some private courier service? Can they do that? Absolutely. And as a matter of fact, especially in big general elections, we have always received a pretty good number of absentee ballots from people that have waited too long, especially people who are out of town mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, Oh crap. I, I kind of forgot. And they, and they, they pay the heavy freight and they overnight it, you know, UPS, FedEx, whatever are, you know, express mail and, and they get it to us. So yes. Um, and with the, with the so-called mail in ballot, it does have to go through the postal service, but you could still use express mail mm-hmm. to send it back. I mean, that's through the postal service, but yeah, it does. 
I mean, I guess that makes sense. You're an attorney. You would have read the actual law. <laughs> and it does say registered carrier. It doesn't define what a registered carrier yeah. is. But we have always accepted ballots delivered by FedEx, UPS, DHL, even some pr- other private you know, uh, courier services. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up the term, uh, all over. I could not find a definition anywhere in the law, which is as a lawyer for all the people who came here to learn about legal interpretation, I guess, uh, on this show, uh, uh, that's the first step you do. And then you go and you look at case law or whatever it might be, but just Googling the term registered carrier takes you to a very strange place that appears to involve Bitcoin or something. I don't really know, but uh, it, it didn't describe, but I figured, look, they're carriers. They are registered with the state. Uh, so, I mean, sounds like a registered carrier to me, but yeah, no, that's good. That's good to know. That was a question that I was just totally, I, I have no idea, but um, okay, this is and another question came through here um, for for ballots that um, I guess you know now now we're we're, we're looking at them uh, and we're looking at the the votes. So we've already applied, we got to applicate, we mailed it in, uh, or we you know so we mailed it in, we we gave it to you, you have it. Now we're on election day, we're opening those. Uh, how what is I guess what's the most common reasons that you've seen for ballots being invalidated or not being counted? And what what's like is there a percentage or a ballpark of how many that you get that are invalidated for one reason or another? Uh, historically, the the largest reason was that they were received too late after mm-hmm. after election day. Um, in in August, because of what I described earlier, that was not the largest reason. Largest reason, excuse me, was um, I believe that. It was that the the voter didn't complete the the statement or the affidavit on the back of the envelope. So, again, if you've read the statute, it says that uh, the ballot um, will be rejected if if the statement is faulty, meaning they didn't complete it. Usually, that means they didn't sign it. A lot of I shouldn't say a lot. It it's only and I don't I haven't actually looked up the statistics for the August election, but I did for all the elections before that, and we're pretty consistent. It's like. Uh, three to four percent of the ballots in St. Louis County have been rejected. Again, usually historically, the majority of those are received too late. But we do have people that forget to sign it. Mm-hmm. And then the second most common reason would be the the lack of notary when it, when it's required. Yeah, yeah, uh, good because those are two other topics. I'm sure they're very hot topics right now. Uh, but let's talk about the the envelope um, because that's probably going to be the thing that. Um, you know, you see last, right? So you're excited, you're voting, you just vote. I mean, that's, you know, here's why I want to always check both sides in case you've got something on the other side of that ballot. Uh, but now, now we've got the envelope. So could you describe for folks who might be voting this way for the first time what that envelope looks like and what are the requirements in order to fill it out uh, properly? Yeah, we've actually, based on what we saw in the August election, we've restructured our envelope a little bit, actually. And um, it it can look a little bit intimidating because it's a lot of legal jargon because state law prescribes language for that that is exact. And what people have to remember, we've highlighted two sections on it. And as long as they complete the two highlighted sections, if they miss everything else, they're going to be fine. And that is to sign it. And if you need a notary to get it notarized, if you do those two things, you're going to be fine. Um, so we tried to make those two things two blocks a little more prominent. We highlighted them in, in yellow highlight. So hopefully we can help people avoid those those two relatively common mistakes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
so one of the questions for uh, the notary, because not everybody, like you mentioned, not everybody needs to have it notarized. Uh, and that's specifically just for absentee ballots. So all the mail-in ballots have to be notarized. Uh, the absentee ballots, there are two excuses that allow you not to have a notary. Uh, the, the, I guess in the order, I always call them number two and number seven. Uh, number seven is the newest one uh, related to COVID-19, and it kind of has a description of like, oh, which situations you would uh, qualify for that. Uh, number two is is one that is a little bit more confi- – well, I, it's just a little bit more vague, I suppose, based on different people having interpretations. I know there's been a lot of discussion around that. Uh, one of the questions we just got uh, is if somebody is self-isolating due to COVID-19, can they choose option two for absentee voting, which doesn't require a notary? Because uh, in that case, uh, I guess that if they're self-isolating, their thought process would be – uh, that they are confined due to an illness, which is the operating language there. Uh, but do you have any any thoughts? Is there any guidance on that uh, so far? Uh, because this has been the subject of some litigation, I have to. Yeah. I'm going to sound a, my language is going to be a little more parsed here, unfortunately. But I, I'm a lawyer. What, it's okay, parse it, please. <laughs> yeah. What I what I tell what I tell people is that if they feel if after reading that that excuse, if they feel like they qualify under that excuse, if they check that box and we receive it, we're going to send them a ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't really possess the investigatory authority under law to, you know, investigate whether or not you're sick or disabled or confined or whatever. Um, so if if you check that box, we're going to send you a ballot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in I mean, well, basically what everybody gets to do now in Missouri is be their own lawyer on these situations and interpret it the way it is. But I mean, again, that's the language is in the law. It's what do you expect? And it's got all these words. And then if that's what you actually are expecting, then you made a good faith uh, uh, decision there. And that's 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 the point of it. And like you mentioned, in a lot of states, um, these excuses aren't a thing. Right. That's, I mean, right. that's that's not it's not even you don't have to select anything. And there's been a push in Missouri to try to get rid of that, too, um, at various times, including right now. Um, so I guess the yep. mail in was our was our attempt at, at some kind of understanding there. Uh, I, I So, you know, there, there was this this issue with like these drop boxes pretty recently in the news um, that some folks were highlighting uh, about how they can't place those. So so. Folks, in general, the law says you can't collect people's ballots. Uh, you can't just take a whole bunch of them. If there's some somebody who's coming to say, "Hey, I'll take your ballot for you," they can't do that. Um, there's a few. There's limited circumstances where somebody can deliver an absentee ballot on your behalf if they're related to you. And we've got that all listed. I'll put the website up too for folks if you want to see who that is. Uh, so if you want to talk to your uh, children-in-law, you're welcome to do that, uh, which is a good opportunity. But. Uh, other than that, uh, you know, there's not like organizations, they can't go and collect your ballots, but there, there could be, I, I suppose, the Board of Elections itself could have had those drop boxes, uh, but those are not happening because of the confusion with mail-in balloting. Um, so, so to be clear, the mail-in ballots themselves, they have to be put in the mail. The absentee, you can return in person. When you return those in person, is that that's to the election authority in advance of election day, correct? Yeah, or you can return them to the election office on election day. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of people do that as well. And then in, in St. Louis County, and I just read today, the city is going to do something similar. We open at, at some point in our case, October 22nd, we open satellite offices across the county for absentee voting and people can return their absentee ballots in person to those locations as well. Great. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Um, and so where, what's the best place for folks to get that information? Is that on the website or just calling and, and seeing what is available in their area? Yeah, we have it on our website. And um, if you are on social media, uh, the, in St. Louis County, we're on Facebook and Twitter. And um, we post every day. We try to keep the content pretty fresh. And <laughs> the only thing I guarantee to people, you know, we don't have a lot of funny cat videos or anything good like that. But if you follow us on Facebook or Twitter, you will learn something by following us. And all this kind of stuff is, is on our posts. That's great. Well, what we'll do is we'll share those links and I'll, I'll, I'll put you all out on Twitter too so that folks can follow. Uh, but if you're on Facebook, we'll put those in the comments afterwards. So I do those follow-ups. People are pretty familiar with that at this point, but um, that way you'll be able to keep up with what they're doing um, as well. Okay. So we talked about the envelope. We talked about that. Oh boy, look, we're, we're, we're knocking these down. Uh, oh, here's a great question. Uh, the polling place. I'm going in to vote. What can't I wear inside of the polling place? That is a good question. And I'm going to try to quote the law pretty accurately here. And you cannot wear anything into the polling place that would show a position for or against any candidate, party, or question that is on the ballot. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, let's take a MAGA hat. That's the... Uh, the object of a, of a lot of these kind of questions in the August election, uh, MAGA is President Trump's slogan, you know, make America great again, as everybody probably knows. Um, President Trump was not on the ballot in August. People could wear a MAGA hat in the polling place in August. In November, you can't because that is his his campaign slogan, and you can't wear that. We had the same issue in 2016 with uh, Hillary Clinton, the I'm with her slogan, mm -hmm. same type of thing. But yeah, you can't wear in a partisan election, if, you know, vote Democrat or vote Republican, whatever, you can't wear that in the polling place. You can't say vote no on proposition, blah, blah, blah. Um, that kind of direct advocacy for or against things that are on the ballot is not allowed. But yeah. general political statements like, I don't know, um, I don't, I can't even think of one off the top of my head. But it's not, it's not polarized times, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled that just general kind of political statements that don't at, don't advocate for or against something that is directly on the ballot are allowed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess something like free speech everywhere or I love the Constitution or something like that there probably you, would be. There you go. Yeah, maybe Black Lives Matter something like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. That's it. That, perfect. Although, you know, sometimes a lot of folks who are voting, that is on the ballot and certainly at the top of mind. But if it's not like directly on um, I do wonder about the Constitution one, because if you're amending the Constitution, maybe you're saying you don't want to amend it because you like it the way it is. So that's a good one. I'll think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know what you come up with. <laughs> you leave a lawyer in a room for two minutes. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, this is – let me see if there's any other questions that came in. One of them uh, was about – uh, following up in terms of looking at people's medical records, and that's, you know, you're going to have trouble with that as a government entity anyway, so don't do that. Um, I think we've gotten to just about all of them in here. Well, is there anything, 
I, you know, we've talked a lot. We've answered a whole lot of these questions. Um, and they can, they can still reach out to the Board of Elections for anything that they need. Uh, but are there any, I guess, thoughts in your head, uh, some closing ideas, uh, or, or anything that we didn't cover that you think is important for us to talk about, too, when it comes to elections? Uh, I think I'll just kind of reiterate a couple things that I said. Uh, first of all, being don't believe a lot of the hype out there. I mean, if stuff's going around on social media. Go to the source. Um, go to the Board of Elections website, our, uh, our social media. You'll get the real story there. Um, and then I think absentee and mail ballots are going to be the big story this election. So, the, And the moral of that story is request it now. Send it back as soon as possible. Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait to vote. Well, you have to wait to vote, but don't wait to ask. <laughs> That's right. Start the process now, and that way you won't have a problem. Well, this was great. This was super informative. Uh, and for folks who uh, are watching, we're going to be doing another one of these, too, uh, with two other election officials from uh, different counties in the state. We'll have them together uh, closer to September 22nd when all of this starts to get processed. To remind you again that you should start, you can start right now, despite it not being in processing right now. Uh, you can start right now. Well, uh, thanks so much. We'll get the website up in the comments, too. I think that's probably a good idea. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your time and, and sharing all your knowledge with us. So thanks so much, Eric. I appreciate it. Thank you. The, the LOD pod is, you know, I'll write it down in my journal. That's for sure. Thanks for joining us on the LOD pod. You can participate in future town halls and see all of our past ones at aladgross.live. You can reach me there too, and I'd love to hear your ideas. For now, this is Alad Gross, and I'll see you on the next Alad Podcast.